We're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. I'm Ed Kless with my friend and co-host Ron Baker, and on today's show, Ron, we're going to be talking about the laws of systems thinking. Ron, this is a, a, a really esoteric topic, but I do think it's going to be a fun show to do because while... I, I have talked about this often in my consulting class, and usually eyes start to roll when I when I get to this topic. Uh, I, I, I find that people who get into this notion of thinking really like this, and I often get emails from people three, six, nine months after my consulting class with people saying, you know, I remember a lot of things about your class, but you know that one thing about the laws of systems thinking that you said, you know, we all rolled our eyes at? It was really good, and I still use it. <laughs> Ed, I, I actually think this is incredibly profound. And even though I found out about this kind of late in life, I mean, this, this started the path for everything. Uh, it started the path for the efficiency versus effectiveness. It started my path, even though I didn't realize it at the time, on why cost accounting is so pernicious and so wrong. Mm-hmm. And. I think this is a profound topic. It probably deserves multiple shows dedicated to it. Yeah, probably does. And what was the inspiration for for me to for this topic is, of course, Peter M. Senge's book, The Fifth Discipline: The Art and Practice of the Learning Organization, which, if I have correct, Ron, was first published in 1994. So we're we're going back a good good amount of time here, 23 or four years. Actually, 1990, Ed. Oh, 1990. Oh, so I'm, my, mine must be the first edition of the paperback. So, <laughs> yeah, it goes back to 1990, and and I read this, and this is you'll you'll appreciate this. You're one of the few people, by the way, that I know that have, has read this book. <laughs> I talk about <laughs> well, this book when I when I did talk about it. Nobody had any clue about it. You're the only guy I know who's read it. But I read this book in 1997, and I remember it quite well because I was working on my very first book. And it was during the Thanksgiving break, and when I when I got stuck on my book or whatever, I would dip into this book. Now, I think this book is terribly written, and I think we both agree <laughs> yes. that it's incredibly poorly written. It's turgid. It's just it's just not well laid out at all. It's a boring read. However, there are profound nuggets in it, and I remember reading it going, wow, that's a really interesting point. Wow, I never thought of it that way. And it influenced my first book, even though not greatly, but it, it again, it put me on that path. So I, yeah, I agree. I, this is profound. And and the the way that I've described it, I think this is a line from Thomas Sowell or about Thomas Sowell. Reading this book was like chewing nails. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> right. 
it, it, it really is difficult to sink your, your teeth into. And uh, when I, I recall when I re- read this book that it took me an awful long time to do it, about six months to do it. So just like you, I would be, be dipping into it and then moving on to something else and dipping in and moving on to something else. And I think if you do go about reading The Fifth Discipline, that's the way to do it. And by the way, don't read it on the way to sleep at night because you won't get very far. <laughs> so. Totally, totally agree. And, and the other thing I found interesting, because I've gone back through the book, Ed, in preparation for this show, and, and I was surprised how much I highlighted how many nuggets there are in here that I still believe are quite relevant, especially when you synthesize it with some of the other thinkers that we've been talking about, people like Reginald Thomas Lee and, and H. Thomas Johnson, you know, that kind of took on cost accounting, and, and other things as well that we talk about. But he was quite, Senge was quite explicit that this this whole concept of a learning organization was a fad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said, you know, in six months, in a year, who knows, but there's going to be something else that's going to replace this. And I, 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 one of the things that I really came away from this book with is that we, that the idea that we don't have mental models, we are our mental models. And I think it was the first time that I encountered Deming's statement that no theory, no learning. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and, and that, if we can't express our assumptions in ways others can build upon, and, and there's no testable assumptions, then you're not building public knowledge. You're just reciting data or, or, or facts. Sure. And, and that had a profound influence on me. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely profound. Well, before we get to the laws, Ron, and there are eleven of them—a very unsatisfying eleven, not ten, but eleven. Yeah, not seven, that's, not five. Yeah, that's, yeah, no, it's eleven. A very, and we very hate, weird. We both hate listicles. So. Listicles, that's right. So, but it's all clickbait. We're not trying to do <laughs> clickbait with this, but uh, there are eleven of them, and they're good. Yeah, no, they are good. But before we talk about that, the way that I usually set this up is I talk about this notion of what systems thinking is. And it really was a a, a desire by Senge and others to express the notion of systems in something other than normal language, like not, you know, English, German, French, that's what I mean by normal language, and a system of pictograms, right, which they, they then developed. So it's, a, it's like a flow charting type system. That, that mm-hmm. assists with this, right? These mental models, as, as you, you refer to them. And what, one of the things that, that is an outgrowth is that everything is a system. And, and I, I usually draw out a very simple system. I even demonstrate it for the, for the class. And that is I get a, a, a pitcher or a bottle of water, and then I get a glass. And then I pour a water into the glass so that the glass is then half full. And I set the glass down and the pitcher down. I say, okay, what, how, if we were to try to describe that as a system, it would require, I don't know, a page and a half, two pages, three pages of, of English to describe what I just did, right? Sure. And the genius of the systems thinking is that it can distill it down into what are, what are basically four different types of components. The first component are the different variables. So in the case of the me pouring the water in the glass, there's two. There's the level of H2O in the glass, right? And there's the angle, the degree, you know, of the, the pitcher. Or, or of the bottle that's that's causing the water to water to flow, right? So those are the two the variables, and that's the first element. Then the second element is the flows, right? So we have the flow, the influence of the the angle of the pitcher and the level of water, and they influence one another. So there's arrows that are pointed to each of these, and I'll I'll put this picture up on on our website 
so that people can uh, see it if they're listening to it. But it's still basically simple. So that's the second element, which is the flow of information. The third is what's the end state. And the desired end state in the case of this system is a half glass, the glass that's half full. Yes, I'm an optimist, Ron. Right. So So a glass that's half full. And that's what's known as a balancing system. And there are different types. We don't even need need to go into that. But then the third, oh, I'm sorry, the fourth element, right, is – what are called delays. Now, in in this case of this system, there really isn't a delay. I guess you, the speed of light is a delay because I'm looking at the <laughs> at the glass. I'm looking at the picture. But if I were to introduce an artificial delay, say turning on and off a strobe light, let's say at di- different increments while I was trying to fill this glass to half full, mm-hmm. you could see that it that that delay would have a different effect, right? On on, on my ability to get the system correct. So if it was on for a second, off for a second, I probably still could get it right. But there's poss- there's possibly that if I were in the dark for that half a second or so when the when I, when I hit the level line, I might go past it just by a little bit, right? But you can see if the delay was increased to say a minute, there's really only two states: glass overflowing or glass empty. Right. Right, because you would you wouldn't be able to get the feedback. Now that's a very simple system. And then I don't know if you remember this movie, Ron. Goodwill Hunting. Remember Goodwill yes. Hunting? Okay. Yes. There's a great scene, and I will post a link to this in Goodwill Hunting, where and and uh, it, the the uh, it's um, well, I can't can't think of his name, the actor. Um, but he he is talking to Robin Williams, right? Robin mm-hmm. Williams is his pr- professor. And he, he's talking to him, and he's telling the professor about why – because this the, the CIA – or I'm sorry, the NSA tries to get him to, to, to take a job with them because he's this math genius, right? right? And he says, well, why, why shouldn't I take a job with the NSA? All right, I'll take a shot, right? And he goes through this whole long litany of why he shouldn't get a job with the NSA, and it's, it goes, well, because I have a buddy who get who you know is paying two fifty a gallon for gas, and then it goes on to like an alcoholic skipper sliding through the the icebergs in the North Atlantic, and it's like this whole big convoluted story as to why he shouldn't join the NSA, right? And it's it's kind of funny, but the the point is is that. It's a great example of a of a of a system, right? It's the it's the the other classic example is the butterfly that flaps its wings on the plains of Africa, causing a a, a hurricane, right? right? So this this complicated notion. The point, though, is that in be- between these two extremes, the extreme of the 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 glass of water and the goodwill hunting scenario, right? All of these laws that we're about to talk about pertain to both systems that's what's so in, what's so neat about this mm. Mm. right i love that i love that uh, visual ed that's that's beautiful i don't think I've, I've seen you do that yep and 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 of course you know something that's in between like oh uh implementing a new accounting system Sure. <laughs> right. Sure. Is somewhere between those two things, and all of these pertain, and that's why I really like this notion of systems thinking. And and one of the things that I did as an implementer is I would educate the people that I was doing an implementation with with these eleven laws. I would I would talk about them. I would do the, the presentation. I would do the conversation that we're about to have with them, and I would say, what I want you to do is I want you to look for instances where these things come up during our implementation because if we see them if we recognize them we can do something about it right yep and that's what i laid down as the challenge 
And then just before the break here, I just want to go back. Another thinker I found in this space that was introduced to me is a guy named Russell Ackoff. And you're going to love this title, the Anheuser-Busch Professor Emeritus of Management Science at the Wharton School. Nice. <laughs> Anheuser-Busch. Can you believe it? Um, anyway, he was a seminal thinker on system and, systems and design thinking. And he preferred, to, he preferred the title of Theory of Purposeful Systems. Mm-hmm. Just kind of very interesting, very, very close to, you know, Mises' human action, right? Purposeful right. behavior. Uh, and here's his definition. I just wanted to see if this corresponds with how you explain it. He says, and you have to understand the whole in order to understand the parts. A system is a whole that cannot be divided into independent parts. Its properties and behavior derive from the interactions of its parts not their actions considered separately. And then he says, you know, a disassembled auto cannot carry people from point A to point B. Correct. Is that kind of how you think about this? Correct. And that is my exact notion of it. I'm, I'm a, a true believer in this is that, that the, the, the systems, it, it, this requires a more holistic approach and that we're not which is why, you know, we and I have talked about this, are so against this notion of just adopting best practices from different areas and slamming them in together. It's not going to work. And and right? even before, I mean, just a whole mechanical or materialistic mindset of, you know, we're going to build this mechanical system and we're going to, you know, pull the, the, the levers and, and make things work. I mean, that's not how nature works. No. And and this is really more holistic. This This has got very close tie-ins I think with how nature works and and maybe we can talk more about that but yeah okay I'm glad that we're on the same page at least to the definition of of what systems thinking is yes it's a it's less Newtonian and and more biological if that makes sense right very much and that's how we should think of systems all right well before we talk about the laws we're up against our first break Ron want to remind you that you can contact us by sending an email to ask tsoe at verisage.com that email will go to both myself and ron of course the website is the soul of enterprise.com where you can see show notes as well as the archives from previous page that previous shows that we've done and listen to all of them there new feature by the way on the website if you scroll down a little bit on any page, you will see a little widget from our friends at Goodreads indicating what Ron and I are currently reading. So if that's something that interests you, take a look at the website and kind of scroll down and see that. But right now, a word from our sponsor, Leading Results. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Is your website just a brochure, or is it your best salesperson? If your site is not the best lead generation tool you have, we should talk. We are leading results. We build websites and marketing programs that impact your bottom line. Using HubSpot or WordPress, we'll create a website and supporting marketing program that gets your business found, converts web visitors to leads, and provides clear tracking on what is and is not working. Learn about our team and approach to your success. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? 
I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Solemn Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we are back on The Soul of Enterprise. We are talking about the laws of systems thinking, which come to us, or was I, I first discovered in reading the book, The Fifth Discipline by Peter M. Singe, The Art and Practice of the Learning Organization, one of one of my all-time favorite books, although, as we talked about in the first segment, very difficult to read, very difficult to get through. So we hope to distill it down a little bit. Uh, with that basic introduction to, to systems thinking, which, Ron, we've really just scratched the surface of, for sure. Right. <laughs> um, right, you know, I mean, really high level, maybe not beyond 30,000 feet, probably low Earth orbit, more than li- more likely. Let, let's talk about those laws. The first one is today's problems come from yesterday's solutions. Huh, I love this. What a profound this. thought, right? But yes. Today's problems come from yesterday's solutions. And, and if you really think about it, that's absolutely true. Right. The, the, in, in almost every case, the problems that occurred today at some point in the past were solutions to problems. And the example that I use is, is one that often occurs in systems that I encountered when I was doing implementations. And, and I, I test this out. It's been a long time since I've didn't, done an implementation. But in, in talking to people who are still out in the field, they say, yes, this is still one of the number one indicators that we need to change or, or a system needs, needs re- refreshment in some way. And that is when you have 17 different spreadsheets that you're running the company on that don't talk to one another. Right? <laughs> yep. Yep. And the, the notion is, is that every single one of those 17 spreadsheets was at one point a solution to a particular problem. Yep. And now the fact that you have 17 of them and they're unmanageable as a whole have become the problem, right? Yep. Uh, so that that's the example. So another, another example is just older versions of software. So – Great example would be if you know if there are any companies out there who are still running DOS-based accounting software, you got a problem, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and not because at, at the time those those things were often the best possible solution to the problem, right? But now because of their age, because of their vulnerability, they have become problems, right? So the today's problems come from yesterday's solutions. Pretty 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 obvious once you think about it. And I love this, Ed, because, you know, uh, as we've learned from Dr. Thomas Sowell, which I think (laughs) this is incredible. There's no such thing as solutions. There's only trade-offs. Good economists don't talk about solutions. And anytime I even hear the word now, my my BS antenna goes up, right? Oh, we're going to bring in this consultant to to solve this problem or a politician. We need solutions to these problems. Um, But this, what I love about knowing about this law 
is that it lets you understand when you devise that spreadsheet, that single spreadsheet that looks like it's the solution at the time, you have to ask yourself whether the secondary, even tertiary effects of this, if I devise this one and, and 10 of my colleagues do so, then we're going to have all these spreadsheets that don't talk to one another. So it, it gives you a framework for thinking about the consequences of how what looks like a solution today is going to become a problem tomorrow. And just and just always be aware that at some point, whatever thing you're putting in place, which I agree, I agree, I don't like the word solution anymore. Uh, in fact, I think you know better better be better than a solution provider would be known as a trade off advisor, right? Yes, I want to be known as I'm a trade off advisor. That's um, what economists it, are. Yeah, they were a trade off advisor. The good ones are the good ones. The good ones. The good ones. Yeah. Is to say, okay, listen, we we know that they and we and something that we should look at. What are what are potentially the future problems that this is going to create? Just so that we're aware of them. Look, and anybody who tells you, well, we've we solved this, Ed, because now we have uh, software as a service. Now we have you know uh, the systems that are in the cloud. Really, like there's going to be nothing ever that replaces cloud-based accounting <laughs> solutions. Never, like we're done. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And we it's, can, and we it's, can go to sleep now. We can go to sleep now. I mean, well, because they, they those systems constantly update. Well, yeah, I get it, but you know they're based on some kind of underlying technology, and get <laughs> HTML5, whatever. And at some point, there might be something better. Who knows? The internet might be replaced by something else. I don't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, the fax machine is here to stay. No, not really. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we we certainly can't. I, I don't know that I can see a change to it, but that doesn't mean that it's not going to be a problem at some point. So anyway, really good good stuff on on that one. Are you ready to move on to the second, or did you have something you, else you, you wanted bet. to mention? And, and I, this one is great. I love this law. The harder you push, the harder the system pushes back. So called <laughs> compensating feedback. So I'm really interested. Yep. How do you illustrate this? I, I I illustrate this one with the example that Sengi uses because I have found no better one. And that is the ex- the example from classical literature of of the the horse boxer in Animal Farm, mm, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, and if you remember from Animal Farm, there's the the character of the of the horse, and he he, he you know let's quick 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 join those of you who haven't read Animal Farm. Here's the quick synopsis: It's about a farm, and unbeknownst to the rest of the animals, the pigs are running the joint. Okay, that's, yep. that's the, right, and and the pigs, being pigs, have ever increasing demands for more and more production. That's what they want. They're they're pigs, after all. That's what they do, right? So so they want more and more production, and the boxer's response to these ever increasing demands is, "I shall I shall work harder. I shall work harder." Right, and he's I, I don't know five or six times in the books he says I shall work harder. Well, I don't want to give away the end too much, but Boxer doesn't make it to the end of the book. <laughs> I don't want to, you know. <laughs> and at, at one point, Boxer breaks down, and they 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 load Boxer up into this truck, and the pigs, of course, tell the rest of the animals that Boxer's being led off to where he's going to be a stud horse or whatever, and you know, and and they close close the the, the trailer on the back. It says glue factory, right, yeah. <laughs> and. You know, this because it's you know that's it's a socialist communist tale, right? That 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 Orwell is uh, is warning us against, and and what he's saying is, hey, listen, um, it, even in his dying, Boxer is contributing to society, right? The the glue factory kind of deal. Sure, sure. So, but but you think about that. I have seen many, 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 many consultants 
who's resp- who have that response when put in difficult positions. Well, I'll just I'll just work harder. I'll just push against the system harder. Right. Sure. And I, of course, the harder they push, the harder the system pushes back. It. it I. I thought. I didn't. I. I do, I do remember the the animal farm analogy, but I always think about the donkey strategy. Ed, you know, we'll just work harder, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 isn't this well illustrated in a billable hour environment, where yeah. you just you just keep your head down, you bill more, you bill more, you bill more, and you think that's going to raise profitability, that's going to do all these magical things, and it doesn't because the system just pushes back so hard that mm-hmm. it's just demoralizing. That's the compensating feedback with the billable hour as an example. Right, right. Yeah. So you're on a constant treadmill. Yep, yep. And, and, and it's, you know, you got to work smarter. How do we work smarter? All right. Time, isn't time the ultimate pushback? Because it's, it's a constraint that's constant. It's like gravity. Yep. 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 That's excellent. I I love it. So let's, I know, uh, let's get into the third law. So this is behavior grows better before it grows worse. And I love this one because Rabbi Lappin talks about this a lot that, you know, things have to, and he even talks about it in the reverse order. Things have to deteriorate before they can get better mm-hmm. in, in a system. But th- this is interesting. It's behavior grows better before it grows worse. So how do you illustrate this one? Yeah, this is, this is one kind of like the old way suddenly seems not so bad. And this is a, this is a, a I think it's a resistance play too in that people are just resistant to change. So oftentimes, as we're, we're getting to the point where we're about to go live on a new system, and we will often hearken back to the good old days of the old system, right? right. And because, you know, I don't know why we're getting rid of this system. It seems to be working just fine now. This, this, working. <laughs> this is the joke about the yeah, how many CPAs does it take to change a light bulb? Ten, one to change it, nine to talk about how great the old one was. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I've seen that, and it, by the way, I've also seen that as in, insert your your Christian denomination of choice into this. But I think I first saw it as Episcopalian, right? You know, how many Episcopalians does it take to change a light bulb? And the answer is, change that light bulb. My grandfather bought that light bulb from the church. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, but anyway, yeah. And, and what's what's so fascinating about this is that it's it's so incredibly true. It's almost as if in some ways, these systems have a consciousness that seems yes. to make them work better somehow right before their dying day, right? And, you know, people are like, well, you know, th- this, this system's working great. I don't, I don't know why we're changing off of this. Not remembering that, oh, yes, we had to stabilize your environment, and that's why it's working better. Right. And, and so. the other thing I thought this made me think about, because, you know, we're so in tune to medical analogies. Uh, when we talk about all of these topics and and this idea that behavior grows better before it grows worse, well, if the doctor's only treating the symptom or something that actually inadvertently maybe treats the system when he's trying to you know go for the cure, the patient can get better for a while mm-hmm. until they crash again. yeah, right and it's it's that is why you've got to look at it holistically. So you can't just treat the symptom because that's not the cure. You got to go after the cause. Yes, and that and that is a great way to think about it too. And that w- there are a couple of others that de- deal with with cause, and we'll, we'll get to those in just a little bit. But uh, I, I think we should let's take the break here, Ron. It's a little bit bit early, but I'd rather just do this now. 
and that way we can get another couple in on on the next in the next one. So I uh, want to remind you, you can contact us at asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, we also do have the hashtag, hashtag asktsoe and the Twitter handle asktsoe. So lots of ways to get a hold of Ron or me. So we want you to do that. Please also get out there and review but the podcast on iTunes or any of the other places where you listen to your pi- uh, podcasts, whether it's iHeartRadio or Stitcher. We're, we're out on all of them. But right now, a word from our sponsor, Abacus Next. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Results CRM, the award-winning Abacus Next product, is a customer relationship management solution that will automate your business processes, streamline workflows, and deliver consistent results. Cloud-enabled to provide access to your users anytime from anywhere. Grow your business in 2018 with the number one QuickBooks CRM. To learn more about Results CRM, visit ResultsCRM.com. Clouds come in all shapes and sizes, and the Abacus Private Cloud is the perfect fit. Abacus Cloud enables all the desktop apps you know and love while providing unparalleled security to your business. Cloud functionality gives you the flexibility to work where you want, when you want, and from any device you want. Don't waste countless hours managing IT. Take back your time. Learn more at abacusnext.com. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Welcome back, folks. We're talking about the laws of system thinking, and we've going, been going through 11 of them. We've done three of them so far. And, Ed, the fourth one, which I also love, is the easy way out usually leads back in. <laughs> uh, sometimes described as, you know, if you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. But how do you illustrate it? This is a fun story, and I, 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 this might be in the Sangi book, or I, or I might have applied it. But the, the the story that I like to share is about the the drunk who's looking for his keys outside the bar. Yes. Right. So okay, so he's down on his hands and knees looking for for this keys underneath his street light, and then another patron comes by and says, you know, hey buddy, what what what's going on? He goes, I'm looking for my keys. <laughs> and the guy says, oh okay, well he and he starts to help. The guy, his apartment keys, by the way, Ron, not his 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 car keys. We car wouldn't keys, want to drive, right, of course, yeah, yeah. his apartment keys. Okay, Thank just just to be clear, yeah, just to be clear. <laughs> um, so anyway, and uh, so so he's look helps helps looking for the guy, and then he finally says, "Hey, buddy, um, where where do you think you lost your keys?" 
And the drunk says, I, in the bar. He <laughs> says, well, well, why are you looking out here? And the drunk says, because the light's better. <laughs> and there it is, right? I mean, uh, how often do we see people who, the, what we do is we look for where the light is, not the not where the keys are. Yeah. And so often during implementations of new solutions, and and whether this is a a, a you know any kind of a consulting engagement, the consultants tend to work on the stuff that's easy, yeah, not the stuff comfort, that's valuable. It's our comfort zone. Yeah, it kind of goes back to the third law about the resistance. It's it's our comfort zone, and we're satisfying. There's that word again. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. good enough. Yep. So yep. That, that's great. I love the, yeah, the drunk thing. There's lots of illustrations, especially in statistics about that. The fifth law, which I love as well, because again, back to the medical analogies, the cure can be worse than the disease, right? Yep. Just like, I mean, drugs are poison. The difference is it's the dose that matters, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So how do you illustrate the cure can be worse than the disease, this one is is really easy, and this is that. Hey, this is why, and we've talked about this on the show. One one of the first questions that a professional should be talking about with a prospective customer is, you know, what is the value of the solution that, or, or what is the value of of the of what we can do for you, right? This is a this is reason number fifty seven to have a get great at the value conversation. Right. Because if you can't uncover a significant amount of value, and I usually use the 3x model, right? If I can't uncover at least three times the the the, pri- the highest price that I would give, or even the lowest price that I would give, right? If I can't un- un- uncover 3x, then I, I don't think we should do a solution because it's very possible that in the end, due to possible change requests or whatever, because of, of new things that we learn, that we end up that we end up with with more than what was initially anticipated. Right, so we want to make sure that the customer is making a a good and viable decision, and that's why I look for an absolute minimum of that three x factor. And and by the way, usually it's more like ten or sometimes even twenty x. We're we're not saying by the way you take value and divide by three to come up with a price. That is not what we're saying here. Right. right? <laughs> but 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 I find that that that's that's one way to look at this is that we have to make sure that our cure is significantly more valuable than the disease and in this case the disease is us because they're paying us right I, I, it comes back to doing you know first do no harm but it also comes back to this notion of an iatrogenic illness where you know in the, in the attempt to cure we we inflict even more damage right ten percent of patients supposedly that are in hospitals right now are there because of iatrogenic illnesses. So and and also I I think it's interesting that the cure can become addictive, you know. Mm-hmm. So you prescribe a patient painkillers or something and they get hooked. Yep, yep. It's a and it's a it's a very sad reality in the medical community. I mean, the opioid ec- epidemic is just evidence of this one, right? For up the yin yang. It's actually I just read an article in my free rider stack where we're, we've declined two years in our mortality rate as a country two years in a row, and it's because of the opioid addiction. Wow. It's quite wow. tragic. Yeah, it's it's almost unprecedented in history. You have to go back mm-hmm. to the 60s to find a two-year decline, two wow. consecutive years. So, Ed, the sixth law, and I, <laughs> faster is slower. You know, I think of the tortoise <laughs> and the hare fable. Yeah, you know, yeah. But how, how do you illustrate it? 
It's, and it's sometimes faster is sometimes slower. Sometimes faster is faster, right? <laughs> so, but faster is 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 sometimes slower. And look, this is I I actually use an example that I stole from you, and which I know you stole from somebody else. And I can't you might will remember the site, but this is the the, the this notion of growth uh, beyond an optimal rate being cancer. Oh sure, right? Growth for the sake of growth is cancer. Yep. Yep, grow, grow, you know that's the it's, that's the ideology of a cancer cell, not not a sustainable system. And this is this is an example of that, right? That well, let's just get it done. If, if we can do, why can't we do it in two weeks? Why can't well, you know? Why can't we implement? And here's the weird part, especially in the systems that I work with. Now, it might not be true for all systems, but one of the things that I found is that there's a difference between change and transition. The change, of course, is the physical nature of the change that happens. I can do that in two weeks. I can do that in 24 hours sometimes. But the transition, which is, of course, the emotional response of the people involved in the system, that oftentimes cannot be done in 24 hours or two weeks or two months. Sometimes the reason for the length of, the tr- of, the, of, of implementation has nothing to do with the underlying technology. The underlying technology can easily be in- implemented, but how we bring people through from an emotional standpoint, that's what, w- that's what we have to concentrate on. So there, there's a good example of, of sometimes pushing things too fast. And what happens is with the backlash of the people, the system then fails. Right. Uh, I mean, a fast fix can lead to a slow cure. Uh, and, and you're right, the psychological elements. I mean, it's interesting to me that every system has its own kind of optimal speed, right? Just like every organization has its own culture. You know, some you, you go into some firms and, you know, there's kind of frenetic pace and there's others that are more relaxed and you know, I see this everywhere I go, and and you've got to you've got to adjust to the mm-hmm. speed of that particular system. That's absolutely correct, and 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 again, it's not just the system, meaning the system, the the technical aspect of it. It's the emotional well being of the people, and that's right. the thing that that far too many people miss, especially people who are technicians and not consultants. Right. 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 The psychological aspects of. <laughs> Of this are, are really, I mean, and it also kind of goes back to the people don't like to, you know, have change imposed on them. People, people are willing to change, but they just want to be in control of it or at least feel they're in control of it. They don't like it imposed on them. Right. They have to have some, some uh, uh, notion of ownership of the situation. And in a lot of ways that is done by not moving too fast. I, I, you know, I think I've heard you say before, you know, <laughs> we're not bags of cement that you can just move around. Right. And right. mechanicals. And this kind of goes back to that whole mechanical and natural system and, and systems thinking makes you think about the natural uh, tendencies, not not the mechanical, you know, the clockwork design. You know, it runs like clockwork. E- even all the metaphors we use are all about mechanics. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> you know, and, and of course, a good example of all of these things is is diet. Right. And, you, you know, you have people who lose a, a, a tremendous amount of weight in a short, relatively short period of time. And in almost every case, they gain it back. Right. right. You know, these, you know, Nutrisystems. There's a great example. Right. And this is not to badmouth them. I'm sure that they've done a lot of good for a lot of people who may have been in, in some sig- significant, sig- serious uh, status of, of being, uh, you know, obese. And they've helped people lose weight, but the, what happens, the tendency that happens to be a rebound, right? They'll lose maybe 40 pounds, but gain 10 back. And this is because they're, it's too quick. Whereas the people who, who tend to change their lifestyle and lose the same 40 pounds instead of three months, lose it in, say, two years, 
they're more likely to keep off the weight. Right. Seventh law, Ed, I love a cause and effect are not closely related in time and space. And I just think of somebody sitting there, you know, keep pressing the elevator button <laughs> right? or, or dusting the, 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 you know, the cold water in your shower. And you think, oh, this should happen instantly, you know, and it doesn't. Uh, right. How, again, what, what are your examples on, to illustrate this law? Well, and, and I usually add to this one is a parenthetical at the end. So cause and effect are not closely related in space and time, and we want them to be, <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> we want them to be. And again, diet being a good example, it would be so easy to lose weight, wouldn't it, Ron, if you like didn't eat the donut today and you lost yep. a pound tomorrow? Yep. Yep. <laughs> right? and you're like, if you saw that immediate reward, oh, look, I'd get, I, I didn't eat one donut and I lost a whole pound. Right, right. <laughs> you know, I still I still ate like a pig for dinner, but because I missed that donut, right? You know, so so this this is the you know I usually use that as an example. The shower example is a great one. You know, in a, a shower in a, in a hotel that you're just not used to. You know, uh, you you are always constantly back and forth, especially older hotels, right? You're just you know banging away on that. Um, but you know the. The other example that I use here is about benefits of implementation of any kind of a new system, and that is oftentimes those benefits that value, again, that we were just talking about, that doesn't happen the day that they start using the new system, right? Yes. That, that's sometimes three, six, or 12 months lagging behind it. So, so th- th- this is critical, and, and it's, by, it's by the way, it's one of the reasons why you can't conflate the notion of, of goals and objectives of engagements, right? Because goals are the stuff that happens after the engagement has is, is concluded, and right. it if doesn't happen, happen immediately. All. If they happen right. at all, right, it's that because they're, they're that to which we aspire, right? right? right. Whereas I, the objectives are the stuff we're going to do. You know, the other manifestation of this, Ed, is ROI. Right, well, right. The ROI, and if we don't hit our ROI by the prescribed payback period, you know, there, there it is. Yep, yep. As if, as if you know that that payback period is right. Exactly. Right. As I mean, you know, I. So. What, what's the ROI of relationships? What's the ROI of your phone system? I mean, it just, you know, sometimes these ROI calculations are just—they're just meaningless. I also, this made me think, Ed, just this cause and effect, not closely related to, I don't know why, but it made me think of Homer Simpson going to buy the gun and told yeah. him to wait three days, but I'm mad now. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, well, Mr. Simpson, there's a waiting period. <laughs> this is great, Ed. We've gone through seven. Hopefully, maybe we can get in the last four, but I, I do think we're, we're going to have to do another show on this, folks. But uh, in the meantime, check out The Soul of Enterprise. We will post full show notes. We'll also put up some of the other links and articles that we uh, looked at in books uh, to prep for this show. And check out the uh, show on iTunes and give us a rating and review up there. We'd re- really love that. We'll, we'll read it on the air. And now we want to hear from our sponsor, Sage. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Wherever your business is headed, Sage has the cloud solution you need to enable mobile accounting and simplify financial management. 
Discover how moving your financial data and accounting processes to the cloud can transform your business. Cloud accounting software from Sage can help you make better decisions, drive faster responses, and gain greater control. That's cloud accounting for the journey. For more information, visit sage.com forward slash US forward slash SOE. There is no blueprint for running the perfect firm. No way to know the challenges you'll face. But your journey does not have to be an odyssey. Experience what it is like for every part of your firm to be connected. Experience a practice management tool where everything is just a click away. Experience Office Tools. To learn more, visit officetools.com. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the foreword to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its foreword. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the foreword and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Matt Damon, Ron. Matt Damon. That's the actor's name that I couldn't think of earlier. And Goodwill Hunting. (laughs) Damon and Affleck wrote that. Yeah, yeah, Ben Affleck. It's a great movie. Great movie. Goodwill Hunting. So just relating back, and I, you know, those those listeners who are like screaming at their, you know, yes, (laughs) Matt Damon, idiot. I, I did remember. All right. So number eight on the list is small changes can produce big results, but the areas of leverage are least obvious. Wow. Again, extraordinarily profound. The example that I use on this one, Ron, is is a imagine a system where you have, I don't know, a, a, a setup screen where you're setting up, you know, how, how the system's going to function. Right. And there's this little box, right, that you like in one of the settings that says keep history. And there's a right. checkbox. Right. <laughs> yep. So there's a little, okay, so, you know, check. And then, it, you know, if you hit the, if you, if you look for at the help system or whatever for explanation, it'll say something like really ingenious, like to keep history, check this box. Oh, thanks. Okay, good. <laughs> I didn't realize that. But what the, what the, what it should say though, is check this box if you want to keep history. Oh, and by the way, slow your system performance down by 60%. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So this is the thing, and, and this is one of the reasons why you know consultants exist is because they oftentimes have experience with these areas of leverage that are least obvious, that are just these tiny little things, right? And you might say, well, listen, M- Mr. Customer, you could check the box and it will slow your system performance down, or there's another way for us to get the historical information that doesn't require you checking the box, so don't worry about it. Right. Right. <laughs> These systems laws make you think about you have to understand the dynamic complexity, not the detail complexity. And, and that's, that's, what, that's what I love about this. I mean, uh, the, the example that I, I was going to throw at you, Ed, was when, you know, greenhouse uh, insects and in greenhouses, you know, eating the plants. Most ca- one of the most counterintuitive solutions is they brought wasps in. 
to take mm-hmm. care of the insects. Now, that's not an obvious, you know, intuitive solution, but it's absolutely brilliant and incredibly effective. Yep. Yep. Just got to be careful of the wasps now, right? Because there, there are other potential downsides. I also think about the four Ps, you know, the, the pricing and the promotion and the product and and, and how it's how they interplay. It's That's a dynamic system. And sure, small changes in price can have big impacts, you know, in fact, oversized impacts on profitability compared to the other things that we can do. Uh, but we have to understand how they all work together as well. That's correct. That's great. Great example. Great example. Price is a great example on this one. All right, number nine. <laughs> I like this one just because I have to usually explain the, the you can have your cake and eat it too, but not at once. What? <laughs> Why and, not? Uh, I ask- I actually had I actually had somebody raise their hand one time during the class and said, um, "I never under, my mom used to say this. I never. What does it mean?" <laughs> like, I, like, okay, so just for those of you who always heard this expression and weren't clear on it, what it means is, is that if you have your cake in front of you and then you eat it, your cake is gone. You, it's no longer in front of you, right? Yep. <laughs> that's that's what it means. So what this is you can have your cake and eat it too, but not at the same time or not at once. And the great example, and this this goes back to. You know, you're talking about uh, Ellie Root and 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 the uh, the goal, right? Is that you can't improve quality and reduce cost simultaneously, right? Right. At the same moment in time, you cannot do that. Now, if you if you re- if you re- improve quality, likely over time, you're going to increase. Oh, you're going to decrease cost. Reduce, right? yes. Right, you're going to reduce costs if you if you. But then you know, and this is you tell me where where I'm wrong from a cost accounting perspective. But the the cost of the next item off the thing, whatever it is, is astronomically high, yeah. right? Because something there was some cost that was associated with that one the the new thing that you did, a new machine, a new process, whatever. Sure. Right. That increased the quality. So there was an increase, temporary increase to cost, but long term you're looking for. It. So that's the that's the example I use there. And, and it, it, we're back to trade-offs with this one. And also, I think of either-or thinking versus both-and. You know, yes. a lot of times we think it's either either-or, but sometimes why can't it be and? Why can't mm-hmm. we do both things? I mean, it just makes you think about, again, those secondary and tertiary effects. The tenth law, and I love this, this kind of goes to the heart of the <laughs> effing debate. Defi- dividing an elephant in half does not produce two small elephants. Love this. <laughs> No, it produces a mess. Getting nine women pregnant doesn't produce a baby in one month. Exactly. Something I wish some of the lean Six Sigma folks would would grasp. We're going to get letters now, Ron. We're going to get letters. uh, The emails. uh, People know where we stand on lean Six Sigma. It's customer focused, Ron. It's customer focused. Right. (laughs) <laughs> okay, now we're going to divide the element in half. Now now that we've said it's customer-focused, now we're going to divide the element in half and break things down into their system components, and we will get optimal results from each of them, right? <laughs> it really does. This this 10th this law summarizes, I think, all of the others and, and really brings them all, all together. Um, and and you do get a mess if you if you divide an element. You know, of course, the, the the classic one is you know the 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 blind the, the blind men who are feeling different parts of the elephant, right? Yeah. But but you can't break things down. This again, it's this Newtonian view of the world, which even now physics rejects. Right? right. It's right. not a mechanistic view. We don't. There, we do not. We no longer have a mechanistic view of the universe. Right. Yep. It, because what we've learned is is that 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 
particles are caused by relationships of things that have no mass. Right. <laughs> so uh, it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> another way, add another example. I thought about this. It, it, it'd be like learning how to box with one hand tied behind your back, thinking that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to optimize my left jab and my right jab, but that's not going to work. Because in boxing, the skill depends on the way your hands interact, not operate independently. Correct. Correct. And they, they and bounce back and forth literally between the two of them. No, it's a good good example of the boxer. I like that. I like that. So there, the eleventh law and the last law, not not last but not least, there is no blame. Mm-hmm. You know, Edward Demings used to say, "It's you have to look at the system. It's usually the system's fault, not the people's." But I have to say, Ed, this one I'm going to push back a little. Maybe this is the libertarian in us, or at least in me. But like everything, up to a point. Because I think you can carry this too far. And let me give you an example. In one of Russell Eckhoff's books, he blames poverty and unemployment on the system. Now, in Mm. this case, the system of capitalism. He was a big socialist. And, And I absolutely reject that. I mean, we have free will. If, I, if I'm a you know completely lazy, no good for nothing, how far can I get in blaming the system? And how is that going to improve my condition? If I blame Correct. society, if I blame racism, if I blame sexism, ageism, whatever it might be, how far is that going to get me? Well, see, I think you're taking it the, other, the, the wrong way, which there is no blame. Right, you can blame, fine, but there is no blame. And the 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 example I think that Sengi uses, and, and we only got a minute left here, and it's a tragic one, is an Acapulco a, a diver who gets sucked into a vortex, right? And he's trying to swim away, swim away, swim away. He gets sucked in, and his body ends up washed out two hundred yards out, and he would have survived had he not resisted, right? Right. But th- th- I think the point of this one is that you that it. While sometimes you can observe everybody behaving in a manner that looks rational, but the outcome still doesn't happen. It is still not positive. Right. Right. And that's yeah. the key. Okay. That that that's a fair point. I, I I still think. I mean, I was tying it back to what Deming said about it's usually the system, not the people, that are to blame. But fair fair point. So Ed, Ed, this was great. Again, I do think we need another show on this. Maybe we'll do that, folks. We'd love to hear your feedback on it. Ed, what do we have coming up next week? Next week, of course, Ron, the last week in the in the month, free Rider Friday. Right on. I will see you in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. Join us next week on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, please visit us at www.thesoulofenterprise.com. 